welcome back to Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Tom. Hi, Mike. Ross. Hi, Mike. And Joey. Hey. And today, I wanted to talk about self-regulation. We hear the term self-regulation used a lot right now. I happen to be holding a piece of paper that has a uh, definite, what is self-regulation and why is it important? Um, They define self-regulation as a child's ability to gain control of bodily functions, manage powerful emotions, and maintain focus and attention. That's from Neurons to Neighborhoods. Yeah, and that's a nice thing to talk about the attention. Bodily functions, I think that's one where I I think most people are aware of like bathrooming type Mm -hmm. functions and things, but also the need to move is a bodily function. Mm -hmm. There are certain kids who need to move more to pay attention, and they've figured that out. Well, and as is also the need to rest. And uh, the need to know, rest. To, to get, the, get the cue of exhaustion right. before I'm at a point late. where I have to sit down. They don't keep going until they pass out. Mm-hmm. They sort of realize, whoa, okay, now I'm ready to rest. And I think sometimes happens with people when they talk about self-regulation, it's the teacher actually talking about what the teacher wants them to do. And if the kids aren't doing it, well, they have trouble with self-regulation, so I just need to do, I need to be more restrictive with them or something there's also this idea self-regulation develops naturally your brain develops the ability right. to keep homeostasis this this just happens it's there a place are, that it wants to be yeah and exactly it's there's this idea that we can like help this process along more almost like accelerate it i feel like right. or like you know give it like a big super boost all this now that we understand the brain quote unquote understand um, you know, we want to come yeah, in got and, that like, figured out. <laughs> and like fine tune it, right? And like supercharge it. And right. So I think that there's with some of this love of brain science. We understand this process of self-regulation. So now we think it's our job as teachers to like make it happen without necessarily understanding that there's also just, there's just a developmental process in which right. it happens. What you could do is think about creating opportunities for it to happen, right? That might be a way to look at it. I'm wondering, is it, are you kind of seeing it with the idea that, the way that I think early literacy is being pushed, where, well, if we just get children reading earlier, then they're going to be able to be ready for more. So it feels like the way you're presenting the regulation piece is like, well, let's just do it sooner and they'll be better prepared when, if we really backed up and understood and followed development, most children at three, four aren't ready to start reading because it's too complex. It's too abstract. So in this case, yeah, I guess I also think it's sort of like if we took the credit for a baby learning to walk. I mean, obviously there's things we have yeah, to do there, yeah, to, to, to have a baby walk, learn to walk, right? You have to let it, let it free, right? <laughs> so right. It can be, you know, not tie it down or whatever it might be. Well, um, tie it down. People do put kids into bouncy seats, and you know, so they right. like I said, I'm going to get actually do. Kinds of trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this is <laughs> Joey talking. So and I don't tie babies to... down. Um, so, but so there's I, things. I there's things a... that just happen, quote unquote, naturally that yeah. that we we don't take. Oh, you're such a good parent. Your kid learned how to walk. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, you're such a good parent. Your kid figured out they have to go to the bathroom. But we, on the other hand, we do a lot of things with self-regulation development that hinders it. So I'll give you an example. Um, I was taking a class at a conference about self-regulation for infants and toddlers. And a toddler teacher was saying, oh, yeah, there's this one kid. I just wish I knew what was going on in his mind because he keeps going under the table. He gets toys and goes under the table and sits there. And the other teachers always tell him, come on back out, Charlie. You know, let's play over here. And she just said, you know, I wonder if I should just move all the chairs, stack them up when they're playing and just let him stay under the table. It's a lot less busy down there. Nobody interrupts him. And so he has figured out, I can Mm -hmm. focus my attention better if I go under here. But most of the teachers in that classroom are trying to get him to come out and play where the other kids are. And isn't what he's doing the epitome of self-regulation. Yeah, so that's one of those ideas that 
I think teachers can hinder it. Kids often mm-hmm. figure it out on their own or we can set up an environment. I mean, if there's no space for a kid to be alone in your classroom, that's a problem. That's one of those ones we used to not call it self-regulation. We ju- used to just say kids need some kids want to be in a space with a lot of kids and some want to be in a space with a few kids. But that's because that's how they regulate themselves. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot I have a lot of I have tr- trouble with <laughs> self-regulation right now and and what I read about self-regulation because I'm thinking who gets to define what's appropriate Mm -hmm. is it the child is it the teacher and oftentimes it seems to me it's the teacher defining what's appropriate without giving them the space whether it's under the table or the time to actually regulate themselves right I mean some kids need to move and they need to move a lot if you can't allow for that in your program either in the in time or space of course they're not going to regulate themselves right. and you're going to have to do the self-regulation well and this isn't my concept this is something i've heard from somebody else that i feel better about co-regulation like really you expect them to do these things all by themselves like the self yeah. part my my own daughter when she went to the lab school in your classroom <laughs> My class before you were the before teacher. You let's, were the let's teacher there. Um, they did a group time, and my daughter sat in a chair behind the teacher. Mm-hmm. And at the lab school, you know, there's observation booths, so I could watch. And after I said, the teacher, well, what's going on? And the teacher said, you know, that's where she's comfortable, mm-hmm. and it's okay right. with me, and it's okay with it. she's not bothering anybody else. Right. That was probably her doing her own self-regulation, mm-hmm. not yeah. the regulation that the teacher was saying was self-regulation. Right, right. I've been, I've been wanting to jump in because if, and I think Tom, you're nice self-regulation to I, wait until exactly. I had to, I could see, read the cues, wait my turn. It feels like to bring up the idea of rules. There's reasons why we have rules in classrooms for safety, but also to help support this means of regulation. There are times when it's there's not a choice. So cleanup in our room is something where everybody's got to participate at some level. So if I say, Mike, can you put the blocks away? I've just given you the chance to say, no, I don't want to. But that's not what I was implying. That's not what I want. I want you to do a that job. That was that passive aggressive yep. kind of white middle well, class the culture. We, the way we oh. talk as adults that we do with kids sometimes yeah. by accident. Exactly. So I think it was just the idea of there are times where we... If if I give you the choice, I'm going to honor it because you I yep. I presented it to you. Right, spot on. I I agree with you completely that there are times when there are no choices, um, but if it's all throughout the day that yeah. there's no choices, you're painting yourself in a corner. And there are with there is choice within the no choice. I'm going back to cleanup that you can pick what you want to do. But you got to help participate in some capacity. So right. Well, I'm just. It's interesting. I, I I agree that a lot of self-regulation and rules and and sort of good behavior kind of get mushed up, right? Quote unquote good behavior get mushed up when when teachers. But I would just went back to the definition, and it's like the ultimate thing for our group with our talking about um, you know body and mind. These are all physical. It's written on this piece of paper. Ability to con- Control, gain control of bodily functions, manage powerful emotions, and maintain focus and attention. These are all these are all yeah. physical acts in the body. Right. And following a rule is cognitive. You know, that's a great I mean, way to you, put you it. Need, yeah. You need your body to help you <laughs> follow the rule if it's right. not hitting someone. And then I think that that's where we get mixed up, right? My brain isn't stopping me yet from grabbing the toy from you. 
you broke the rule because your body didn't comply right. yet with what was going on. But that's a cog- knowing the rule is a cognitive function. Anyway, I just think it's very interesting. Yeah. The self-regulation is very much about the 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 body. Yeah, right. Um, well, that's true. Yeah, and and then we, so as soon as you're slipping into following the rules. Right. So if you're the teaching with, with you. the body and mind right. at all times, then you are helping foster self-regulation. I'm, I'm going to go back to what you just said about, um, and I'm going to trouble it a little bit, yeah. about about m- managing your big emotions. Yeah. Well, what does that mean to manage your big emotions? Because I don't Who's you gonna, when I'm mad. Uh, maybe. I mean, sometimes... Uh, as adults, we have some big emotions, yep. and somebody's telling me to manage my big emotions. I'm not going to do that. It's 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 too big. So there has to be some kind of I don't know if it's an outlet or some kind of space for that. Uh-huh. Where, again, managing big emotions sounds like the adult is doing the managing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so maybe, I, I, it sounds I like know. managing is your possible definition. Managing could be code for inhibiting. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, in my classroom, we have what we call a calming basket. So when a kid is getting to the point of they just can't calm down, usually one of the other kids will then say, you know, maybe they need the calming basket. And there's bubble wrap that they can pop. There's some stuffed animals. There's a, I don't know the proper term for term for it. We just call it a green blob, but it's the like thing the thing that you can get inside. Yeah. And stretch like a big around. Pouch, yeah. yeah, the big pouch your whole body can fit in. Or... Yeah. So those are all physical ways oh, yeah. to, to And then blowing bubbles yep. is another big mm-hmm. one. And all of those help and they are more of a co regulation, right? Because uh-huh. I'm giving them here's some different but things. But they're learning right. ways. But that's that idea. And like, that's that scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at it as a scaffolding thing. And it's at the point where to me, they aren't quite managing this particular motion. And it can be something small. It can be like, I wanted that bowl, and I can't tell the difference between the bowls anyways. But the two kids are just so mad about which right. bowl they got. So she's over here <laughs> weeping. I mean, just, you know, right. like Gosh. the world has just right. collapsed. And now, usually, she then eventually regains control on her own. She usually goes over like in the book area where all the pillows are. And that's where she kind of likes to... To self-regulate self-regulate <laughs> but sometimes it's not enough or you know when she started in my room a year and a half ago that wasn't yeah going to help and so she's found that soft things and for her bubble wrap is a big one just like popping the little things which i don't know if it's the focus or the physical thing or both but sound and the sound and maybe i don't speak for everyone but there is such a love of popping bubble wrap i mean i hate Absolutely. that it it's it's not good for the environment but Man, it just feels good. Mm-hmm. You know? It's very satisfying. So, mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, so I'm helping her come up with strategies. Because yep. I'm not expecting her to have all the strategies yet. Yep. But I do think that she's at a point where... And like I said, some kids will kind of cry and then they'll kind of... Sometimes they'll go in their cubby and get they squish themselves mm-hmm. in, you know? Mm-hmm. Or go to something soft or grab their lovey, you know, their little stuffed animal or whatever. And they've already figured out the strategy that works for them or ace one of the strategies that works for them and there's kids who i just need to give some ideas for and so i mm-hmm. think they are managing the emotion because they aren't in a they aren't in a place that they want to stay in forever mm-hmm. but i'm also not exactly. saying stop crying it's more like oh here's some strategies i think that was a good conversation mm-hmm. again so thanks everyone yeah thanks thanks Mike. thank you for listening to teaching with the body and mind we'll see you next week
Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn.